Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Camp Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Hello and welcome back to Field Notes. I appreciate everyone's patience over these last two weeks. We haven't been able to upload a new episode because my wife and I have been out on the road visiting churches, raising support, and doing the things that missionaries do, um, getting uh, the message out there about what we do here at Military Evangelism. So I appreciate your patience, but we are back on our regular schedule. Hope to have a new podcast up for you every Friday, so keep us in prayer about that. Open your Bibles to John chapter 1, and today we're going to look at just one verse. John chapter 1 and verse number 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, thank you for this opportunity to teach. Thank you for those that are listening. And I ask, Father, that as you help me to speak, that you help our listeners to understand what your word has to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So one verse, John 1.14. A very important verse in Scripture, because in this verse, we have a foundational statement made about Jesus Christ. It's about the incarnation of Christ, and that is a maligned, misunderstood, misinterpreted doctrine of the Christian faith. The incarnation is what we're talking about today. We have already established that the Word is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. We've established that He is God. And now in John 1.14, we're going to see that God became a man and lived among men and revealed his glory to men as a man. And so the first part of John 1.14 says, The Word was made flesh. The Creator became the created. The Creator created himself a body. Now, Jesus Christ was not created at the Incarnation. Jesus Christ is not a created being. He is God himself. We've established that. But he created himself a body to dwell in, to tabernacle in. God the Father created a fleshly body to house the being of his Son for a time here on earth. And this is accomplished through the virgin birth. The Word was made flesh. This is where we talk for just a moment about the virgin birth. We find it in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 35. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So Mary was engaged to Joseph. She was a virgin. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women." And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. 
And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So a virgin would give birth. Physically impossible. Not possible is within the realm of natural law. But a virgin would give birth. Why was it important that the Messiah come to this earth through the a virgin birth because the messiah was coming to deliver israel yes but also deliver all mankind the main purpose of the messiah was to come and deliver mankind from the bondage of sin jesus christ came to deliver us from sin and in order to be Right with God regarding our sin, there had to be an atonement. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, God made them skins, clothes from skin of an animal. God shed the first blood in this universe, killed an animal, made clothes for Adam and Eve out of that animal's skins so that they could be covered, so that their sin could be covered for a time. And throughout the Old Testament, throughout history, man has been instructed by God to slay an animal in payment for his sin. A sheep, a goat, firstborn, perfect, without spot, without blemish. And this animal's blood was used as a payment for the sins of man for a time being. The, sin, the animal had to be without spot. It had to be perfect. It had to be the best of the best. The Messiah had to be perfect. He couldn't come to this earth and have mankind's blood running through his veins because man's blood is sin tainted romans 5 wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin therefore death passed upon all men for that all men have sinned sin taints our blood the messiah couldn't have sin tainted blood so jesus was made begotten as a special creation a man who could not sin, but a man still. Without sinful blood in his veins, Jesus Christ could not commit a sin, but he could still be tempted. And because he was perfect in his creation, in his, in his being, in his essence, because he not only was the mind of God, the word of God, but now the flesh was perfect, the perfect flesh that God created. Because he was perfect, he could pay sin's price. Galatians 4.4 4 says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. So remember this. He who always existed took on human form. He was not created, but he created for himself a new form. In the be <clears throat> I'm sorry. And the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. Jesus made himself in the flesh, created for himself a new form so that he could dwell among us. Here it is. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And dwelt among us. 
And so he came and he lived with us. He dwelt with us living as a man. Now, there are those who will scoff at Christ's uh, humanity. They will state that if he were God, he could not live with the same fears, desires, and pains at us as we do. They state that if he were man, and, and, and there's no way he could be perfect because men are imperfect. They don't understand. Scripture tells us that he lived just as we lived, yet without sin. The fact that he lived just like us is important because it means that he knows what we're going through. He can understand our pain and our hurt because he's felt the same. He is a close relative, a brother to mankind. You don't go down to the jailhouse and say, Hey, I've got a couple thousand dollars. Who needs bail? Why don't you do that? Because you don't know those guys. But if it's your uncle, if it's your son, if it's your nephew, it's your daughter, of course you go and pay the bail because you know them, you love them, you want to help them. Well, Christ had to take on human form and become one of us so that he could know us, understand us, feel all of the things that we feel. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus went into the desert and was tempted of Satan, and yet he never sinned. He dwelt. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt means tabernacled. It means to be inside the tent. To, to be inside, you know, so he dwelt with us. He got inside the tent with us. He lived openly with us. He was there uh, in, in this world with us. Men touched him. Men saw him. Men had conversations with Jesus Christ. Each of the disciples touched him and were convinced of the reality of his physical body. 1 John 1, 1 and 2, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. So John says, I saw him, I touched him, I walked with him, and I'm giving you my witness. I'm showing you what eternal life is, because I saw what eternal life is. I saw who eternal life is. The gospel bears out that Jesus was a man, just like you or me. He dwelt among us. John 4, 6, the disciples and Jesus come into a town, and Jesus sits down at a well because he's weary. John 4, 7, he says to a woman, draw me out some water because I'm thirsty. John eleven thirty three. he stands before the grave of Lazarus and he hurts in his heart and he groans, the scripture says. John eleven thirty five. he weeps. On the cross, John 19, 28 through 34, he was thirsty, he bled, he died. What was the purpose of Jesus showing himself to be a man? Well, not just so that he could understand us, but also so that he could draw us toward himself as God. Philippians 2.6, listen to this. 
Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found fashioned in a, as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, because of this, because Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, because Jesus went to the cross willingly to die on behalf of our sins, wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He became a man so that he could understand us. He became a man so that he could draw us towards him. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. We beheld his glory. So the other purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was so that God could let us see his glory first person. Though Jesus was 100% man. Now hold on. This is going to get hard to understand. Though Jesus was 100% man, it is a biblical truth that he also was and is 100% God. He today still is 100% God and 100% man. He still has his physical body. He's in heaven with it. How can that be? How can he be 100% man, 100% God? Well, he took on human form. And to do this, he had to empty himself a little bit. He had to empty some of his, his ability to see. Uh, when he was in his human form here on earth, he emptied himself of some of his ability. Well, Hebrews 2.9 We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Jesus emptied himself at times of, his, uh, of, of the fullness of his divinity so he could understand us, so he could walk as us. He's walking through a crowd. Somebody touches him, and virtue leaves his body. And he turns around and he says, Who touched me? Now, if he was still operating 100% in that divinity at that t- moment, he would have known who touched him, but he let himself live like us so he could understand us, so he could understand how sometimes we have mystery in our life and we don't understand stuff. And in that, he revealed his glory to us, that he would willingly give up some of that for a period of time, for 38 years, for just a short time, he gave up some of that so that he could understand us. And then, of course, after his resurrection, he reclaimed all of that, and he is was still, always was, 100% man, 100% God, but now with everything, all of it, he, he, he doesn't limit himself in any way anymore. He did it to reveal his glory to us. What did he do specifically to reveal his glory to us while he was on the earth? Well, he performed miracles and, and signs. John records very specific miracles that Jesus uh, performed in order to prove that he is God. John 2.11, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. And his disciples believed on him after he uh, turned the water into wine at the, at the wedding. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, we see the whole purpose of the book of John. John says this, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. See, John records more miracles than any other gospel. He records very specific miracles. Specific miracles so that you would understand that only God could do the things that Jesus Christ 
did while he walked this earth. And so, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father. I got a question for you. Have you beheld the glory of Jesus? Have you beheld the glory of Jesus? Have you seen him? Has he changed you? I've got news for you. You might sit there today and say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But if he hasn't changed you, you don't really believe in Jesus. Because if you believe in who Jesus really is, if you believe the truth about Jesus Christ, that he is 100% man, 100% God, that he lived a perfect sinless life, that he died a perfect death, taking your sins and mine upon his back, that'll change you. That'll change you forever. You will never be the same. And if you're the same old mean rotten snake you were before you got saved, if you're still that person now, something hasn't changed if you're still doing all the things you used to do, if, if you have no desire to, to be godly, if you have no desire to behold the glory of God, i got to ask you something. Did you ever behold Him in the first place? You see, people change when they see the glory of Jesus. When blind Bartimaeus beheld Jesus and believed he received his sight, when Martha beheld and believed her brother Lazarus was raised from the grave, when Peter beheld him, Peter walked on water. Say what you want about Peter, about how he looked down, how he lost faith. The old guy walked on water. Next time you start giving Peter a hard time, do me a favor. Go to your bathroom, fill up your tub, put about a quarter inch of water, put two inches, put three, five inches of water in your bathtub. Get in there and see if you can stay on top of it without touching bottom. Peter walked on water because he beheld the glory of Jesus. We beheld his glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came to give us his grace and truth. Those are two things everybody needs. Everybody on this planet needs grace and truth. There's a lot of battles today about all sorts of things, political, social, religious, but it all comes down to two things. Has the grace of the one true God entered into your life? And do you know the truth? Because a lot of folks seem to think today that uh, truth is, is it's situational. It's, well, it's whatever I feel like. It's, it's, it's relational. It's, it, it, the truth can change. My truth might not be your truth, but our truths are both equal, both valid. No, there's such a thing as absolute truth in this universe. And absolute truth only comes through knowing the one who can give us grace. Grace is unmerited favor towards someone. God's unmerited favor towards you. Grace is God's unmerited favor towards you. It's what saves you, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God's grace, it saves us, it strengthens us, it heals us. We all need God's grace. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. 
The only thing that can heal a broken heart is the grace of God. Have you received it? Each and every day, every one of us needs a fresh infilling of that grace. The matchless grace of God. You need that first, first encounter with God's grace, salvation. Salvation is the first encounter with God's grace, but every day His mercies are new. Every day His grace is new. Every day, every day you can experience God's grace in your life. But that grace only comes through His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the truth. Jesus gives us His grace and truth. And you say, what is the truth of Jesus? It's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the truth. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so he is the truth. You want to know what truth is? Jesus Christ is the truth. And anything, anything that denies Jesus Christ, anything that that uh, puts Jesus Christ into second place, anything that ignores Jesus Christ is a lie from hell. Absolutely. Are there good things about other religions? Sure. But other religions, let's be, like, well, let, me, let me correct myself, all religions, all religions are false. Faith in Jesus Christ is not a religion. The only time religion is spoken of positively in the Bible is when James says, pure religion undefiled before the Father is this, to visit widows and orphans. Religion is an act. An act that hopefully makes God like you. Religion can't get you to God. And James makes that statement because, you know, well, I mean, if you want to do something good... Well, the best things you can do is help those who can't help themselves, widows, orphans, folks like that. But religion can't get you to God. Only the truth can get you to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. Jesus is the truth. Without his guidance, no one can know the truth. So my question for you, as I've asked you several times already in these podcasts, is this. Do you know the truth? It's very easy to know the truth. To know the truth, you just simply have to give your life, your heart, to Jesus Christ. That's it. You just have to give him your life. Give him your heart. You have to believe. ABC, we've already talked about this. ABC, accept the fact that you're a sinner. And you were born this way. And you need forgiveness for your sins. Believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. And in your place, took your sins upon his back and went to the cross, dying to your sins on your behalf. And then confessing that with your mouth, with your life, that you believe that Jesus Christ lived, died on your behalf, spilled his precious blood for your sake, and then on the third day, physically rose from the grave. If you'll believe those things you can have absolute assurance that heaven's your eternal home. You can have the grace and the truth of God, Jesus Christ himself, living inside of you through his Holy Spirit. And he will guide you, he will direct you, he will help you 
in every aspect of your life, if you only you'll let him in. Have you let him in to your life today? Thanks again for being with us. I really appreciate everybody who has been uh, part of the audience for this podcast. And uh, you keep us in prayer as we continue to study God's Word. God bless. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.